tonight we'll briefly ponder and consider the fifth petition and how it relates to the story of everything. This is, I'll read it to you. But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? In conclusion, we pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would deliver us from every evil that threatens body and soul, property and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, grant us a blessed end and graciously take us from this world of sorrow to himself in heaven. Last night, I introduced to you the idea of telling the story of everything in a lot of different ways. Everything simply by the way that we gather and worship. From beginning to end, our worship service is meant to tell the story of the beginning and end of our lives, how we live our lives under God's grace and with God at the center of our lives. We talked about how you could do that with the creed, how the three parts of the creed, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how those three parts of the creed help us to tell the story of our God and His work and our life with Him. We talked about even how we do that at the supper, how the, the, uh, how the approach expresses our need and the table shows us how God meets the need and then sends us out into the world. This cycle of coming and going and coming and going again helps us look forward to the time when we will sit at the table together with Him. We could also tell the story of everything by using the metaphors that scriptures provide, the motifs, the themes that you see like threads that you can connect from Genesis to Revelation. For, for instance, we can talk about the story of everything by using the metaphor of, of the marriage relationship, how, how God is the groom and we, his people, are the bride, and, and how God brought us into a relationship with him, how he began a relationship with us in the garden, and then we broke it. And how ever since then, God was pursuing, restore, pursuing the rest, restoration of their relationship with him so that we might live with him. And finally, how does the story of Revelation end at a wedding feast, that we could tell the story of everything simply by unpacking the marriage metaphor. Today, tonight, what we want to do, what I want to do with you is unpack the story of everything with a different metaphor, the story or the, the, the motif, the metaphor of deliverance and exodus. It, it's what this petition teaches us to pray for, but deliver us from evil. But to do that, we need to start where this, at the time when this prayer wasn't even needed. When this idea of delivering us from evil wasn't even an idea that we had. So we go back to the beginning. And there are so many different themes, so many different repeated phrases in Genesis 1 that we might pull on. God saw, God, God spoke, and it came to be according to their kinds. But the one that helps us hone in on this petition and God saw that it was good. He planted trees and God saw that it was good. He put the sun in the sky and the stars in the heavens and he, God saw that it was good. He created Adam and Eve in his own image and God saw that it was good. And then when God looked at the totality of everything that he made, Adam and Eve, the crown of his creation, humankind, the crown of his creation, what did God say about it, about us? God saw that it was very good. 
That was the time when this prayer, this petition wasn't even needed. It wasn't even an idea in Adam and Eve's mind. Why would they need deliverance from evil? It was all so perfect. But somewhere in between day seven when God rested and chapter three of Genesis, the devil and his angels rebelled against God. I'm telling you a story you already know. And God threw the devil and his angels out of heaven. They lost their spot in his heavenly host. And the devil now prowls around like a roaring lion, Peter says, looking for people to devour. And so the devil came like a slippery serpent. And he found Eve with Adam right next to her. And he held out in front of them something that God had said was bad, something that God had said was evil, something that God said, don't eat of it because if you do, you'll die. And the devil told a lie and he said, that thing God says is bad is actually good. And Adam and Eve listened to the lie. When they should have prayed, Lord, deliver us from the lie, deliver us from the liar, deliver us from evil. When they should have prayed that, they ate it. And then instead of turning to God then in their guilt and shame, Lord, we've sinned, deliver us from death, deliver us from evil, what did they do? Instead of turning to God, they turned from God and ran from God, hiding in the garden. Instead of turning to the one who gave all that to them, instead of turning to the one who gave them the tree of life too, they ran from him and hid behind the bush, if it were. You see, it was God. Because we're not so different from Adam and Eve, are we? In our sin? Not only do we not pray at least some of the time when temptation rears its head, it's not wrong to feel temptation, but when we feel temptation, it's wrong that we don't pray, deliver us then. And then once we've given in, when we do give in, and we do give in too much, what's our natural tendency? We can give all kinds of words, can't we? Hide, minimize, push it away, blame all the different things we do to keep sin and shame and guilt at arm's distance, all, all that we could do to keep God at arm's distance. And pray, instead of praying, Lord, deliver us from sin and evil and death and guilt and sin and shame, we run and hide like Adam and Eve once did. But there's something I want you to realize about this petition. God's already doing it before you even ask for it. Wasn't that how God did it with Adam and Eve? God knew what they had done and he came looking for them in the garden in the cool of the day. And God found them hiding and called them out of hiding and gave them clothes to cover their, their shame and gave a Savior to save them from the evil one. Isn't that the story of Scripture? The God who pursues his people even when they don't want him? I mean, think about the story of Abraham. Abraham and his family, we don't know this exactly about Abraham, but we know that his family was godless and heathen. And God called him out of that. Not just to be the father of many nations, but to be the father of the Messiah, the Savior, our Savior Jesus. To be the father of all who would believe. And it was God who came to his people, Egypt, to 
brought them out there and led them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, who parted the seas and brought them into the promised land. It's God who seeks to deliver us even when we don't seek Him. Even when we go the other way. This is what Paul says, is it not? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were unlovable, ungodly, when we were not seeking God, when we didn't want to seek God, when we saw God as the enemy, God sought us and gave his son for us so that his son died, submitting himself even to death on the cross. See, it's the whole, the whole nature of this petition is that God comes to deliver us even when we don't seek his deliverance. And he does it in three ways. He does it by delivering us. I suppose that goes without saying because that's exactly what the petition of the prayer says. Luther describes when he writes about this in the large catechism, he says the devil's work is to set up barriers to separate God's blessings, which we pray about in the rest of the Lord's prayer, from us. It's the devil's goal to lie and steal and kill and destroy. It's the devil's goal to set up a wall between us and God. And so simply in this petition, we're saying, God, knock down the wall that the devil would seek to put up, put up between us and you so that your blessings of a good name and forgiveness and daily bread and the kingdom would still come to us. Lord, deliver us from evil. But the question that hangs over our heads, doesn't it? What about when evil and harm come to us? What about when we're hungry or broke? What about we when we lose someone who's close to us or face a terminal diagnosis? What about then when evil happens? We're faced with that when we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, are we not? The worst miscarriage of justice the world has ever seen. Innocent on every count, innocent of any counts. And yet there are the Jews scheming and plotting and paying a betrayer. There's a betrayer, one of Jesus' own, handing him over to those who hated them. Then there's the Peter, the denier. Then there's the Jewish high court, which trumps up charges against him. Then there's Pilate, who he keeps coming. He wants to let Jesus go, but he gives in to peer pressure. And then there's the mockery and the ridicule and the abuse and the shame. Then there's the abandonment, even by God himself. This should not be. What about when evil seems to win? It's then that this prayer is answered in this way, that God bends evil to serve his purposes. I know I've said this a few times by now, but the devil is God's devil. The devil is Jesus' devil. And God allows him to do things. But who's in charge? the way we say it in our house. God is. 
So when this great miscarriage of justice happens in the case of Jesus and the devil does his happy dance on Jesus' grave, God says, you don't even know what you're doing. But I do. By the death of that innocent one, I'm setting people free from sin. By his death on the cross, I'm giving life to all humankind. By his burial in the grave, I'm sanctifying the graves of my people. By his resurrection, yes, by his resurrection, I'm going to show you who's God. God bends the wicked, evil schemes and works of the devil to serve his good and glorious and saving purposes. So you can be sure that the, that the evil that the devil intends in your life, only, God only intends and will, God will rule over that for your salvation. And so we pray finally in this petition, Lord, deliver us. God, bend his evil for your good. And finally, Lord, destroy him at the end. You see how this all, the story of everything kind of come, comes to a glorious conclusion? Here we are in the middle of things where we're praying for, where we're pray, pray, praying for deliverance and we're praying for bending, but ultimately we long for destruction. For the time when our Savior Jesus will not come in humility or weakness, but then he will come in power and finish what he started on the cross. Finally, once and for all, taking the devil and his, all, all of his angels, they won't be on a leash anymore. They'll be locked in the cages of hell, which God has prepared for them since the beginning of the world. Then they will be under his feet forever. Now they are under his control, but then they will be utterly and forever destroyed. And we will be completely and utterly freed, delivered from sin and every evil, never more to weep or cry or struggle or feel shame or carry guilt ever again. Because whatever we feel and experience here will be taken, removed, and we will see things as they really are. Our Savior having triumphed over evil on the cross, having defeated death and the grave, we will live with him for all eternity. And so we continue to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the hymn.